the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to Bisberg. I'm John Hall. It is good to be with you today. Today, the program is sponsored by City Mission of Washington, Pennsylvania. And with us, a regular guest on our show is Dean Gartland. Dean is the president and the CEO of the City Mission. And Dean, friend, it's been a long time since we've talked. I'm happy to have you with us once again. Welcome. Well, it's, I'm glad to be here, John. It has been a little while. It's uh, all the uh, changes taking place in our community, but uh, but I'm glad to be with you. Thank you so much. Hey, Dean, um, uh, before we get really, you know, started in earnest, you know, uh, COVID, everyone's uh, having to react to that a little bit. But, you know, in the midst of it all, City Mission is still reaching out and helping people in in many important ways. The safety net is still there. So people who are homeless or addicts or just, you know, struggling with their own stuff like we all do. uh, It's good to know that in the midst of that, in Washington, PA, City Mission is still a light for goodness, for grace and for Christ likeness in the in the area. So congratulations on that. I just want to put that out there because uh, always I admire the work that City Mission does. And, uh, you know, a lot of people could have just said, uh, no mas, I'm going to throw in the tile. This is too much. It's too uh, complex. There's too much heartache. But there you are. You're still standing strong, Dean. Well, we are. And it's uh, certainly by the grace of God that, that we are able to do this. And, and of course, the, the, all of our donors and, and supporters who have prayed for us and uh, continue to support us, uh, that is what kept us going and being able to keep our services available uh, uh, to those that are in need in our community. So we are, are really grateful for that. Hey, Dean, so let's talk about the city mission itself. I mean, so, you know, when you hear the term mission, I kind of think, I mean, years ago before I, you know, really knew about mission work was, you know, like, you know, guys and dolls where there are people walking around in uniforms and banging a bass drum and, you know, looking people for souls to be saved. But of course, you know, you're in that business. You want to bring people to Christ. But the way that you do that is by being an open door to the community and allowing people to come in in whatever condition they're in. And, you know, the, the old sort of format, especially, you know, with men who were, were having alcoholic or addiction problems, you know, it would be three hots in a cot. And guys would go there and, you know, have a meal and in some ways, some fashion, hopefully get sober. But, of course, you know, you that has been your model. But well beyond that now in the 21st century, it has evolved deeply beyond three hots and a cot because the people that you serve, it's a, it's a wide range of people. I mean, it's men, women, children. It sort of runs the gamut, which is a reflection of the community itself, isn't it? It is. And, that, and the issues that uh, people come in through our doors with today are much more complex uh, than they were you know, say 20 years ago or 30 years ago when uh, having a, you know, kind of that, that whole idea of food and shelter uh, only uh, was uh, a, a kind of an adequate thing. And then, you know, men, uh, generally it was men 
uh, alcoholic who needed a play, you know, looking for a mission where they can dry out and and hopefully, you know, learn some things about recovery. But today it's so it's so much more complex because of the heroin epidemic and uh, and and continued with you know the alcohol problems, but then. All these, you know, uh, methamphetamines and and other drugs. Uh, the uh, uh, opioid epidemic has just crushed our communities. And uh, although we have seen a a a, a great uh, surge here in the, in the re- over this last year of uh, a, a great reduction in in the overdose deaths, but uh, even though though they still are happening, but it's much less over this last year than we've seen in previous years. But the uh, but we're very, very grateful that the mission is here. And so we have had to adjust to the changing needs of those who walk through our doors. And so today uh, we have four shelters, uh, one for men, one for single women without children, uh, a shelter for uh, women with children, as well as a shelter for homeless veterans. Uh, we continue to serve meals both to our residents who live here as well as to the community uh, outside of the mission uh, for people, the unsheltered homeless that are still uh, living on the streets. Uh, they'll make their way to the mission for uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, we also have a food pantry, so we have those that are kind of living right on the edge of, of, of homelessness, uh, but they, they, they are, need assistance, and so we provide food bags every week uh, to those uh, folks that need that, that kind of support. Uh, we also operate a, a medical clinic that's right on site here at the mission. So everybody that comes in as a resident has the opportunity to go through our medical clinic, be assessed medically, make sure that they are physically uh, fit, actually, and whatever uh, physical issues they might have, we can get them addressed while they're with us. Uh, we operate seven thrift stores throughout the three counties, and it helps provide financial resources for the mission. So there is a lot that goes on here at the mission. We have a career training and education center uh, for people to help them get their ID, get a driver's license, get their Social Security card. So uh, we stay pretty busy every day. (laughs) Dean, that has to be the (laughs) understatement of the year. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes on here at the city mission that m- m- most people probably don't aren't aware of or don't think oh about gosh. because they think food and shelter. They don't think of all the educational training elements that that people need to get back into the workforce or all the medical problems and dental problems that people have that they've neglected for years. Uh they need to get those things addressed uh besides the addiction issues and the alcohol issues and um and because of this opioid uh, epidemic, we have opened a drug-free pain management clinic on site here so that our men and women can learn how to address issues of pain that they have uh, experienced or uh, that are, that's constant with them without the use of drugs. Wow, that's fabulous. All that, uh, how many people, you know, come in through the doors? Certainly people are, are living and staying there with you, but can you estimate, is there any numbers where you think about people coming and going throughout the year at City Mission, Dean? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you figure, I guess we're probably somewhere around, I guess, coming and going throughout in, in a month to probably 1,000, 1,200 people. Wow, that's a lot of people. Hey, we're talking with Dean Gartland. Dean is the president and the CEO of City Mission in Washington, Pennsylvania. If you're hearing Dean's voice and you think, well, I could use some help or I would like to help, I'd encourage you to be part of City Mission right now. Look for them on online at citymission.com. 
citymission.org, citymission.org, or a quick phone call. It's 724-222-8530. That's 724-222-8530. Certainly City Mission could use your help in any capacity that you are willing to give, any talent, any skill, any generosity, any kindness. City Mission would be happy to put you to work, use you in whatever capacity. You can raise your hand and say yes to City Mission. Dean, uh, always lots to talk about, but, you know, I'm particularly excited because you, know, you meet people where they are. And, you know, that's the key thing. It's not, it's a measure of grace. No one's wagging their finger or going, Hey, you know, you, you, all this year, you know, or whatever. It's not, it's not a center for shame. It's a center for grace of Jesus. So when you bring somebody with you and you tell their story, it, it always encourages me, of course, because I'll raise my hand and say, you know, alcoholism and addiction, it runs in me and runs in my family. So I want to be, I want to hear that iron sharpening iron. And so today mm-hmm. you've done that. You've brought some along, uh, a resident of the mission, uh, a man named Tom. Yeah. Yes, I have. And uh, Tom has a story he wants to share with uh, the folks and uh, our, our listeners. And so I'm going to let you go ahead and take it from here, uh, John, with Tom. Fabulous. Hey, Tom. Tom Spell is with us. Tom, like I said, is a resident at City Mission. Tom, uh, welcome to Word FM. We're happy that you're with us here today on Word FM and WPIT. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So, Tom, you know, um, you know, I'm sure you've been in and out of um, NA or AA or whatnot. And I, I guess probably the easiest thing for me is because we know the pattern. Tell us that, you know, go through that, like, you know, what you used to be like, what happened and where are you now? Would you tell that story? Yeah, certainly. Um, I never thought I um, had an addiction. Uh, uh, my addiction was uh, marijuana. And um, I never thought that I would need help with anything like that. But um, more so importantly, um, I came from a, a, a area where it was um, really crowded with violence. And uh, I became uh, a victim you know, due to some violent things and stuff like that in my area where um, I was shot multiple times. Really? Um, So with that, um, after surgeries and stuff, I was told that I would never walk again and things like that. So I was heavily on, like, uh, pain pills, things like that. Um, How how old were you whenever that happened? um, When this happened, I want to say I was around 29, Yeah, and I'm 40 now. Okay. So uh, when you got shot, I mean, how many times were you shot? Tell us that. I was shot eight times. Eight times, and you lived? Well, by the grace of God, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. So you shot eight times. Uh, I can't imagine what recovery is like for that. I mean, just the whole process of going into the hospital. Uh, how long, you know, did it take you? We kind of thought, well, uh, I'm kind of like back up and running again. Well, um, my first initial stay was at UPMC Mercy, where I was there for five and a half months. And um, after, you know, they diagnosed me with um, my final uh, um, prognosis were uh, completely paralyzed. I had a C3, C4 neck and spinal injury as well. Oh, my gosh. God bless you. And from there, they said I would, uh, you know, never walk and use my arm as a normal person. Um, However, through therapeutic... uh, lessons and things like that um and i had a i come from a praying family um something happened i remember falling off a hospital bed and my arm started twitching i went to surgery and mm-hmm. next thing you know my leg was twitching they said there was hope for me you know, wow. so, 
I went so, on to therapy and things like that and started yeah. progressing. And then, so how, how long was it, you know, all of a sudden there's something that comes upon you. I mean, I, I call it a miracle because, you know, you got shot in your neck um, and they're saying you're not going to walk. Um, are you walking now or are you using a wheelchair or are you using a cane? What's that look like for you? Wow. Um, I have to give thanks to God. Um, that question uh, strengthens me every time. Um, I went from a power chair to a manual wheelchair to a walker to a forearm crutch to a regular cane, and now I'm walking with nothing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my praise God indeed. Holy smokes, Tom. That's Okay, okay. So then uh, from that miracle, you're still carrying the burden of addiction on you. Right. It's just it's part of your, part of your life to tell yeah. that story. Right. Uh, you know, the duality of, you know, recovering and, uh, you know, having new, new mobility put on you when it wasn't expected. And still, you know, you're dragging some stuff around. Well, it was very difficult at first because, um, you know, th- through the pain and everything like that, like I said, yeah. I had a strong addiction to marijuana, which kind of it wasn't helping no more. Um, and I was prescribed um, different pain pills and things like that, sure, which sure. I became addicted to on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, it was no more about the marijuana. It was about these pain pills. Um, also playing to the effect of um, my mental state of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I started to abuse these pain pills, um, not just because of the pain, but the way they had made me feel. Mm-hmm. I was a lost soul. I I had no hope for myself. Um, I had a praying mother, you know, who who also had struggled with addiction. So it kind of ran into the family. Um, But, you know, once I started the use of these pain pills, it just progressed. I needed more and more pain pills. Mm -hmm. Um, And it eventually had led to me, you know, trying out um, another drug which was very detrimental to my health at that time. And it still is till this day. What's the drug? Um, it was cocaine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they tell me I can't move here. It is the pain pills. You know, they, they, they turn me into a, a vegetable, you know, it's like, I'm just glued. I'm stuck to a couch. Now I want to get up and do things, but I, I really can't move around. So, you know, I've heard about, you know, the things that cocaine may do, it gives people energy and things like that. Um, never thought that I would be the one to get hooked on something. But yeah. unfortunately, that's what happened. Yeah, and I mean, cocaine is a soul crusher. I mean, it just crushes the life out of you. Okay, so Tom, then talk to, tell me the story of, you coming to city mission i mean what i mean was there a white flag was there a low point i mean how did you get in the doors of city mission you know go back and tell that yeah well there were there were some low points i had uh after recovery and you know physical therapy and things like that and i began to walk around i felt like um, it was like okay i needed to pick up where i left off it's like i had a point to prove to my neighborhood um I didn't quite learn my lessons, so to say. I got involved back into the street activity, um, uh, firearms and things like that, um, to the point where I had got arrested. 
Now, when I had got arrested, you know, the, I had needed, it was something the judge had seen in me. It was like, you know, you need some type of help. Um, fortunately, by God, I was able to go home, and I spoke to my mother, and um, I just cried. Uh, I said, Mom, I, I need to do something, because I was still in the, I was still in the, in the midst of violent activity. I was born and raised in McKeesport, PA. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, the drugs were affecting me. It was like, okay, I'm going to really end up dead this time or in jail for a very long time. Um, I lost my apartment. I had nowhere to turn to except for my mother, um, who prayed and prayed. Um, my mother knew uh pastor that works here at the city mission. Um, she asked me if I was ready to make a change in my life, and I wasn't sure if I was or not. And she said, if you just give this a try, you know, um, some things will change. You have to be dedicated. So she reached out to the city mission. Um, I got a phone call back within like five minutes. And um, one of the staff here, they said, where are you at? We're coming to get you. It was no wait a couple of days. They were you at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was that like? I mean, you hang up the phone and you know someone's driving to come get you. I mean, that must have felt wild. It, it did because I was being taken out of one atmosphere into another that um, I was not used to. Once again, we, uh, I told you I didn't think that I had an addiction no matter what. I thought being addicted to a drug was you had to be on heroin or you had to be on crack. I knew nothing about being addicted to opiates or anything like that. And I didn't think marijuana was a drug. Um, however, I got to the city mission, and um, I first came to the city mission. I've been here since 2018. Um, it took a couple months for me to realize what was going on around me, what was affecting me, what was the cause of things. And um, I remember doing a plan with my counselor at the time, and he said, well, we can help you if you want to get a job. We can help you with housing. You don't have to go nowhere. We'll feed you. If you don't have no clothes, we'll clothe you. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, this is too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, like for the first 30 days, it was I had to stay inside the, the um, walls of the mission and, and the doors. But I wasn't locked down. I had freedom. Yeah. But I had people now helping me saying, hey, Tom, you want to go to a meeting? And this is like, okay, I never went to meetings, but I know this is what helped my mother. Mm-hmm. After a while, I started attending these meetings. Something caught on to me, realizing the first step is mm-hmm. that we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction. Our lives became unmanageable. And once that was, you know, I'm like kind of embedded into my memory, I started to think about my life. And right there and then, um, I knew that there is still some hope left for me. And I still had some health issues that I was dealing with, and I said, well, this is not the place for me. And then here comes some a nurse. Well, we can get you into therapy. Um, we can help you get off of your pain medicine because they're not even allowed to have, we're not allowed that in the mission. Right. I didn't know how I would be able to adapt with the pain without these pills. Uh, you know, they got me into outpatient physical therapy, I've done some pain management here, 
And um, I never thought today that I would be off of pain pills. I have um, one medication that I take now, and two years ago I took um, at least seven <clears throat> to ten different medications on a daily basis. Now I just take one. We're talking with Tom. Tom's a, a resident at City Mission. He's telling a story of what happened and uh, how he's changed his life because of the work of himself and the Holy Spirit and City Mission all working together. If you want to check out City Mission, go online, citymission.org. Uh, this story you're hearing from Tom is one of a multitude of stories of God working through men and women at City Mission. 724-222-8530, 724-222-8530. Tom, talk about your spiritual life. Uh, you don't get clean and sober, especially you talk about that. <laughs> you talk about the first step and you're surrendering. Uh, you know, you can't do that alone. You got to have God in your life. Yeah. Well, um, okay. The spirituality part, uh, my mother, um, like I said, she was addicted to crack cocaine. Um, by the grace of God, she was able to get herself together. Um, unfortunately, my mother passed away five months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, she passed away. My mother had 21 years of sobriety. Yes. Wow. Fabulous. Wow. She's been a minister for those 21 years. She's been mm. a minister of 19 years. Wow. So um, constantly I had a praying mother over me telling me yeah. you know, to get into God. It wasn't necessarily go to church because she said the church was in me, but I needed to be placed around some people that were on mm. a different path. Yep. Um, so I started going to... Um, church up here in the mission and I was talking to my mom and things were looking up um, so I eventually had started going to an outside church because the mission also has um, <clears throat> in-house services here as well not just on Sunday but throughout the week so the, going to the services in here kind of geared me to say okay I want to go out here and see to another church mm-hmm. um there's a pastor here in the mission that has his church. I started going to his church. Um, I started talking to my mom. She would give me Bible verses. I gave the sponsor. And um, one of the steps in NA is that uh, we turn our lives over to the will of God as we understood him. Mm-hmm. I prayed and prayed, and I just think, you know, what's God going to do for me? I, I come from the streets where I, I didn't deserve to be alive. I didn't think I was worthy of anything. I never lost faith. I kept going to church, talking to my mother. Eventually, I got baptized here in the mission. Um, They do the baptism services. After that, um, I was going to Bible study services that are held in the mission as well as outside of the mission. Followed by, um, you know, one of the things the mission requires is that you also attend NA meetings regularly and you get a sponsor. Um, so I took their advice, and I've done that. Um, I've had some setbacks, and you know, since I've been here. Sure. But the fact that um, anytime I fell down or you know anything that happened, I finally had some people that said, "Okay, Tom, it's okay. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to cry. It's okay to make mistakes. You're alive to do this one more day, and you know we're going to help you." Um, so, yeah, five months ago, my mother passed away. Um, it was during the COVID-19. And I was already going through a lot just with that. Um, I was able to go home and spend time with my family. But I could not wait to get back to the mission because it was like something was missing. 
I was out there for a month and a half, and I couldn't return back to the mission right away because of the COVID-19 issues, and they had stipulations on returning. Sure. However, I would keep in touch with my um, coordinator here at the mission daily, and um, it's like I knew once I was out there that I, you know, I have to do something more. I have to go further. So as time passed and I was allowed to come back into the mission, I made a promise to myself that I would go head first into the ministry. Um, since then, that's what I've been doing. Um, the praying daily, I work. Uh, I've had three jobs since I've been in the mission, something that I've never done before. I've never held a job um, before coming to the mission. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would be able to work again or anything with the health conditions that I have now. But oh, my God, stop it. Yes, sir. I'm out of time, but man, listen, you made my day. I mean, mm-hmm. that was really a, a powerful story. And of course you got more, you, there, you know, those, uh, the rest of the story lies within you. So I'm grateful to hear that. And uh, it's been encouragement to me to hear about your pain and your suffering and the work that you're doing on yourself to bring you into full vitality and especially your walk with Jesus. So thank you so much for that. It's been really a good man. thing for me to do that today. Dean, uh, you got uh, just a few seconds uh, talk about uh, Tom and the work that City Mission's doing. I mean, it, it's hard to beat Tom's story, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, the thing is that Tom is, uh, you know, it, it, people hear the story and they don't know him. But if you were able to come here to the mission and meet him, you would see that Tom is a kind, uh, gentle-hearted man. Uh, God has truly has uh, transformed his life. It's different today than when he first walked through our doors and uh, he is a he's a shining star. I, I tell you, I, I'm so grateful to hear his story again and to hear what he had to say, because I know that God is present with him. Very nice. City Mission, the story's right there. Look online at citymission.org or call 724-222-8530. This has been Bisberg. Thanks for being with us. God willing, we'll see you next time.